Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. I'm Matt. And today we're asking the question, did the pandemic change personal finance? Yeah, so the real question is, is it too soon? Too soon to uh, revisit the pandemic? You know, like while we're in the midst of it, it seemed completely appropriate. Uh, and it was an important thing for us to talk about, right? How the, the pandemic was impacting our finances. Uh, how the CARES Act, was it the CARES Act? Was that yeah, the one? that was one uh, of them. Yep. One of the ones where we, where we got the checks. But that obviously that was stuff that we were covering uh, pretty much on the reg. But now that we are past the pandemic, we felt that it was... Appropriate. We yeah. feel that it was a, a good time to revisit the pandemic. There's even a political and end cap and milestone inside. I think it's May, oh, right? That's when right. it's going to officially be over, um, at least from a like political mo- emergency right. uh, ability to institute different laws and make changes. Yeah, <laughs> from a governmental standpoint. So, but but even before, I feel like most people are living like the pandemic is over, and sure. so, but but how has it impacted? personal finances moving forward. I think it's made it's made some impact. We're going to talk about kind of the many ways and, and hopefully the, the ways in which we can look back and say, hey, we made changes early on right at the beginning. Let's not forget about those. <laughs> and, and so this episode, yeah, it's going to be about some of the changes that happened, some that stuck around, some that didn't, and kind of how we can maybe take some of those lessons and apply them moving forward. Sure. So by the way, before we kind of launch into actual personal finance talk, do you think that there is going to be sort of an obsession with pandemic-related content for the foreseeable future ever oh. since because of the pandemic? So I asked because... Can't I, know, I think a lot of us want to forget about it. That's obviously not true because have you seen The Last of Us? It's the the new HBO... Oh, no. Uh, I've heard it's apocalyptic pandemic show. It's been getting good reviews, but no, I haven't uh, seen it. Kate and I started watching uh, over this past weekend. 
very fast. You know, it's kind of the end of the world sort of, again, post-apocalyptic scenario. But even going back to like Station Eleven, which was uh, written and then made into a a series. Was written before the pandemic. It was written before the pandemic, exactly. Uh, Very fascinating to think that there seems to be like this obsession of pandemics and what it is that we have experienced from a fictional standpoint alongside the reality that we're actually living you would think that folks would want to escape it and for it just to be something that's completely behind us. But yeah. it is a really crazy, fascinating thing to think about. Well, and Station Eleven was just good TV, man. Um, it, and, and, it and so I'm not sure about this HBO show, although I've heard it's good. So maybe I'll have to check it out. But it's Station uh, Eleven is one I want to revisit already. Pedro so Pascal. He's, it's, he's So he's the guy from The Mandalorian. And I'd never seen him, seen him in anything prior to The Mandalorian. And I always was thinking... Oh, well, I don't, I'm not sure if I like this this uh, this actor, but that, that was just his character. Oh. He's awesome. <laughs> like he was playing kind of like the stoic Mandalorian type, getting kind of nerdy here for a second. But his character in The Last of Us is awesome. Okay, I've, I would I would recommend it if you were into that kind of show. Okay, all right, uh, all right. Well, let's, before we get to kind of our thoughts on the pandemic and personal finance, man, I wanted to quickly mention something. There's a place where you can donate your used cell phone that maybe is like shoved away in a drawer. To charity, and so I just I don't remember where I came across this, but I thought it, I thought it was cool. There's a, a recycling site called Big Sky Recycling, and we'll link to it in the show Ooh. notes. But yeah, if you've got a couple cell phones laying around, you can basically just donate those, and the proceeds uh, as Big Sky makes money selling these off go to support soldiers, send care packages overseas to soldiers who are serving our country. I thought that was kind of neat. So worth mentioning, you can um, go the old school capitalist route and just sell your cell phone and make money on a site like CellCell. If you type in your phone, it'll let you know, hey, here's how much money your phone's worth. Make that decision for yourself. But for people who are like, man, I do have a a cell phone or two or 10 sitting around in my drawer, old ones, um, donating them can be, I think, a a wise move. Sure. Do they also give you the... Uh, receipt of donation uh, that you get to. Oh, that's to write a good question. I'm sure you'd be able to yeah. write that off on your taxes. Not yeah. that that shouldn't be the driving force behind donating right. if if that's what you wanted to do. But yeah. and also, well, you mentioned like CellCell, which is a great site. What what makes CellCell so great is the fact that they aggregate a lot of the different buyers out there who some of the different sites and what they're willing to pay. So in a single place, you can kind of see yeah. what it is that you can get for your phone from these different sites. Like Declutter is a great site. Yeah, but. Sell, sell, list declutter amongst other options. Exactly. And they're saying, hey, here's who pays the best for uh, the best rate for that specific version of cell phone that you're looking to get rid of. But don't forget, you, you know, you said the purely capitalistic route. Don't forget eBay because, oh, yeah. like, that's like, I guess the ultimate is actually like listing it where somebody doesn't get a cut because obviously eBay, they still get a cut. But if you put a little more legwork into it, take some decent pictures, yeah. shine that thing up. If you've got some good feedback on eBay, that is absolutely the best place to, to get the top dollar, yeah. even more so than some of the different sites like For sure. Sell, sell. Those just make it a little easier. And yeah, you're going to yeah. get less of the money, but it's, uh, is the trade off worth it? I don't know. But yeah, you're right. I mean, selling on eBay. You're just it's reaching the best, man. The, I, I love you're reaching eBay. the most potential buyers, which in, makes sense. And I say that too, honestly, as a reminder to myself. Actually, literally yesterday, I was getting ready to buy a shirt, and I thought for I almost clicked buy, and I was like, wait a minute, let me see if I can uh, get this shirt over on, yeah. over on eBay. Hopped over there. Guess what? It wasn't the exact same shirt. It was a, a different color, but it was brand new with tags, and it was the exact you know exact size, exact same. How much you save? Model half. There you go. Half. I nice. saved. It was insane. Uh, granted, I had a ten percent off coupon <laughs> from from the website, so I would have at least gotten you know it would have been discounted a little bit. But to have that slashed in half, I was 
very happy. So yeah, don't forget about eBay when it comes to buying or selling stuff. Nice. Yep. Good reminder. All right, let's move on. Let's mention the beer we're having this week. And this is kind of a, a goofy name for this beer. It's called Mango Funk Yourself <laughs> by Meddlesome Brewing. I think it's Man, go funk yourself. I, yeah. I think I, that's how I was supposed to I be. know. I was trying not to offend. So I was trying to... <laughs> funk. Yeah. But it's got like a groovy 70s, you know, that 70s show kind of styling on the front of the can. So this, but. of course, is a mango beer yeah. and with a goofy name. And we'll give our thoughts on this one <laughs> at the end. But uh, Matt, let's move on. Let's get to the topic at hand. Did the pandemic change personal finance? That's kind of the question we're tackling on today's episode. And I don't know about you. Wait, have you ever been in a cult? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A bunch of them. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> this was just before we met, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No. Well, I've never been in one. Um, although, I, some, some people might say kind of the the style of church I grew up in maybe growing up might have <laughs> cult-like elements. And I might I might agree a little bit. But a little, little more fundy. Yeah, yeah. Fundamentalist. Yeah, but I'm not going to like divulge publicly if I've actually been in a cult, which... That kind of goes against the... Yeah. Like, it goes against the grain of being in a cult. Right. You're not supposed to talk about it. You're not supposed to tell people. It's kind of like, like Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I've watched documentaries. I've read books about some of the most prominent cults over the years. They fascinate me. And and one of the most interesting parts is to see interviews with, like, folks who finally got out, who, like, have seen the light. And, but for years, they, like, couldn't see clearly. And now they look back on everything they experienced in a completely different light. And like, um, uh, I'm thinking about Leah Remini now has a, a show that's spanned multiple seasons about getting out of Scientology. But now that she's left this cult, she's like, whoa, I was basically brainwashed, <laughs> right? And like th- those folks, they often end up reaching out to their friends who are also bought into that cult in an attempt to get them out. Sometimes it works works but oftentimes it doesn't like these cults will separate families because they're that intense and they're sure. that hard for a lot of people to recognize that they're in one and and it's just like hard to convince someone in a cult that they're in one they just don't want to believe it right right um it's, it's hard to know like which way's up which way's down when you're kind of in the middle what's true that. what's false yeah. yeah and that's why we want to take like a retrospective now that we're kind of out of exactly. the heat of covid all the crazy craziness insanity like we're basically three years removed from the first inklings that covid was going to change everything let's reassess like did it and our society we've clearly changed in so many ways in just a few years time not all of it for good but what about personal finances? Like, how have things changed? That's what we're going to discuss today. Exactly. Yeah, it can be, it can be really difficult to discern just the magnitude, uh, the scope of the impacts of something like a global pandemic on our lives until we've put some distance between us and the novel coronavirus. Right? That's what we used to call it back when it was new. Uh, but there were a lot of predictions back then, uh, early on, about the death of major cities, just how they're going to hollow out. Yeah, how, there are articles about New York City. It's never coming back. Right, right. That, that wasn't true. How, uh, like business travel, how that was never going to be a thing ever again. People how, aren't going to get in, on airplanes. Travel <laughs> demand is going to be, you know, curbed for a long time. Yep. Uh, working in, even in an office, right? Like gathering with other people to actually get your job done. But many of those predictions ended up being fairly inaccurate, even though there's maybe some residual effects uh, that we're still seeing today. But you know, when we are in the middle of something that was as crazy as COVID-19, it was really difficult to know what it is that we should be doing with our money, let alone our lives. We were all just trying to do the best we could, given the information that we had at the time. Um, but now that we've had a few years between us and between the lockdowns, we wanted to discuss the specific ways in which COVID has changed things and how it is that we should respond to those changes. Yeah. And I think it's important to mention that the effects of COVID still linger, right? So it's not like we're completely 100% out of it or that none of us, that we don't have any like shell shock residual style effects from what happened over the past three years. And, and this isn't to say that 
uh, the virus, like coronavirus, that it has completely gone away. Sure. Like the pandemic is behind us, but obviously yeah. there are still folks who are dealing with whether it be long COVID or mm-hmm. just even the new strains of it. Yeah. It is still out there, of Com- course. Completely. And, and anyone who out there with young kids, right, for instance, they're likely still dealing with the effects of learning loss and how to make oh, sure. up for lost time based on a couple of years of subpar instructions. Not necessarily the fault of the teachers, but it's just the, the reality of virtual yeah. school and how inferior it was. I still remember my daughter, <laughs> she was in kindergarten at the time, like just uh, looking at her, holding her feet up in front of the computer, burning, like she, there was a candle and she's like putting a trash bag in the candle. And, and my wife was like, what are you doing? Oh my what? goodness. <laughs> yeah. Just like uh, there was <laughs> I don't remember that. not as much learning happening at home sure, yeah, as yeah. there was in the classroom. Well, so I mean, and actually I mean, there were dangerous things happening in our home at least the, the, the test results showed that as well right with uh, the Completely. NAICS scores did that come out last fall yeah uh showed obviously you know not surprisingly that the reading and math scores just across the board significantly declined because yeah. i mean that was just one of the many effects of the pandemic i feel yeah my second grader hasn't had a normal year of school until this year like this is the first yeah. one mm-hmm. and so like for us yeah, the, the kindergartner started with virtual school dude it was pre-k when, oh when gosh, it hit I yeah. Forgot. yeah it was yeah, yeah, pre-k yeah. and so it was pre-k kindergarten and first they were all screwed up at least to some extent and now we're rebounding from See, that and, and we're having to do homework i swear like every night just to kind of try to catch up to where she should yeah. be yeah yeah that part of the pandemic we do want to put behind us. yes like, <laughs> like the part that feels that hit maybe a little too close to home right like, like those are the parts that it, it is more difficult to recall with fondness yeah. that's why there I are wanna... some things that we can look back on and smile but obviously kids not being in school was sure. definitely not and that's why i just want to say that the effects still linger right and, sure, and then sure. there was new research from um from pew who said 41% of Americans, they experienced psychological distress during COVID. That's a lot of folks. And that just doesn't go away overnight either. Like the these effects are, are still with us, even if they're hard to pinpoint. And even if there are many things that just cause our stress levels to rise or made more life more difficult, or we are, man, losing loved ones. That's another thing course, that just yeah. massively impacts your life moving forward. Uh, so yeah, the, the same though is true from a financial perspective. I think COVID change the way folks think about their money, their careers, their debt, spending, and rightly so. Like it was right that we made a lot of those changes, but what were those changes? How are they sticking around? That's what we want to talk about today. Yeah. And so I think before we start talking about money changes, it's good to point out that COVID had a massive impact on on just how it is that we choose to live life. I'm thinking back, Americans have been getting outdoors, I think, more over the past few years because of the pandemic. And I think this is a great thing. I know that we definitely saw bike sales increase in a massive way, right? I mean, good luck trying to find a bike summer of 2020. (laughs) It's impossible. Same thing with e-bikes. But these are the kind of changes that we'd like to see stick around. I know we were doing way more family picnics. We were, you know, finding different hikes, new hikes on an almost weekly basis there for a while. Uh, And we're definitely not doing those things quite as much, but it is definitely a healthy rhythm that has stuck around for us. Uh, COVID, it really made many of us out there just ask the question of what it is that we want our days, how it is that we want to spend our time, what we want that to look like. Uh, And I think these are important questions to keep in mind. And many folks realize that they were working too much, that they were not taking enough time off uh, in order to spend their time, you know, doing the things that ultimately were going to matter more to them. Sure. Yeah. I think we should look back and say, what were we doing in some of those early days of the pandemic? I know that was just a silver lining for some people is it it kind of made them reconsider what was important, what was valuable. And I know, yeah, we were doing similar things. Like we were just more family togetherness outdoors, which was really healthy for us. And, And similar to you, I feel like it's something that stuck around, although we're not doing it as much as we used to as kind of I don't know, like kid birthday parties. They weren't a thing for a while, right? Like you just didn't get 
together in that sort of capacity. Mm -hmm. And now that's happening again. And so our weekends are changing, but let's make sure we keep around some of those lessons that we learned and some of the better things that came from kind of our reaction to COVID. Yeah. And instead of meeting up at a park where you're celebrating an outdoor, socially responsible, socially distanced birthday, we're back at the trampoline park where the the kids are just huffing on each other. Yeah. Or a bowling party like my daughter just went to this past weekend. Well, there are all sorts of, of, speaking of like careers and stuff, Matt, and how that changed people, let's, let's talk about that for a second because there were all sorts of movements during COVID. They were kind of a reaction really to kind of the stress of the virus and it, you know, there were the great resignation and quiet quitting. Those are two of kind of the career movements we saw kind of uh, rippling across our society. And, and, and like COVID just, it just changed the work equation in a meaningful way. You mentioned that some people were decided they were working too much and they cut back. That's great. You know, I think that was a, a reasonable move to make in light of the situation. It, it felt like people were more willing to leave a job, even a highly paying one because of the impact of COVID. And new stats actually just came out, which show that Americans as a whole are working less than they were just a few years ago before COVID came into our, our purview. And, and people on average are working something somewhere between one and 3% less than they were in 2019. We're not necessarily like turning into France or anything like that, where what I think there, there were revolts over the raising of the retirement age from 62 to 64 mm-hmm. and, and where uh, there are like strict measures in place for how much employers can require uh, employees to work. But at the same time, like uh, America, we've been known for our workaholic tendencies and those appear to be correcting a little bit, which I think is a good thing. We've always been fans of people taking the vacation time they're allotted and, you know, using your increased financial margin to make work decisions that are in your best interest. That might even mean taking a job that pays less because it's more fulfilling and allows for more balance. These are the kinds of decisions people were making. They they felt like uh, an acute need to make a change. Um, especially in, in early on 2020, 2021. And I think people are kind of um, forgetting that, but I, th- I still think that's a reasonable, a worthwhile response for us to continue to have, even as the pandemic isn't kind of uh, top of mind, front of mind. Sure. Yeah. And so that was something that we realized as employees, but there were shifts that were taking place on the side of the employers as well, right? As companies realized that the folks who worked for them could, in fact, you know, not come into the office every single day of the week and still get their work done. As that happened, you know, we did see a shift in the ability for folks to work from home. And granted, we're not seeing this to the full extent, you know, that we thought we would. More companies are calling for employees to return to the office to rejoin the, the collaborative environment in real life. But the pandemic was, like, honestly, it was a wake-up call, I think, for the laptop class out there, for all the, the knowledge, information, knowledge workers to question what their job should look like if they felt they actually needed to return to the office full time. Uh, And then if not, you know, maybe that meant it was time to consider moving. Right. And so in this way, the pandemic essentially reshuffled the deck in regards to jobs and geography specifically. No longer uh, did you have to live in the Bay Area if you wanted to have a career in in tech. Mm. You didn't have to live in New York City if you wanted to have a job in finance. All of a sudden, certain career paths were no longer tethered to higher cost of living areas, which of course can can have a massive impact on your personal finances. Ever since Kate and I lived in Atlanta, uh, well, we had started a photography company and to a certain extent, we were tied to Atlanta. Like our, our work was in and around Atlanta. And as you and I were taking the podcast more full time, one of the things we realized was that, man, we, we no longer have to live here. And so because of that, it caused us to think, oh, well, maybe we should live in a different state <laughs> or a different city. Like that's when we're, I mean, back then we were talking about like moving out to Boise or Denver or like we were talking about Asheville. 
you were in a similar situation. You weren't, you know, you weren't thinking maybe that far away, uh, but you're like, oh, I don't, you know, before you were commuting into your office every single day by bike most, yep. most of the time. But as we were both kind of entering that stage in life, we realized, oh man, we should essentially reconsider where it is that we're living, which is a, a huge part of why it is that we we did end up moving. And we, we actually dedicated an entire episode talking about that move and how it is that we thought about that. We'll make sure to, I forget the episode number of that one, but we'll, we can link to that one in the show notes. But I think it is important to get a little introspective here and to think, why is it that I am still in this specific city or this state? Uh, because if it is only work, I think it's worth reconsidering. Are there other things yeah. that are more important? Uh, is there a way for me to continue that that I can maintain this job and potentially move somewhere else by working remotely? Or can I get a better job that's still remote and work elsewhere? Exactly. It, or Yeah. But why are you living where you're living? Like, can you move? Do you want to move closer to family and friends yeah. or mm-hmm. um, just maybe um, a, a better place for, uh, to be closer to awesome nature hikes or something like that? Yeah. I don't know. What or closer to family yeah. or just maybe living in a part of the country that just really resonates with you. That yeah. you think is beautiful like essentially what we're you know what we're talking about here is geographic arbitrage is there a way for you to have an awesome job while simultaneously living somewhere that is going to be more affordable because hey, that might not even be somewhere outside the united states there are people specifically sure. moving to other countries yeah. to lower their costs right that we've talked about arbitrage here on the show before you move to thailand or portugal I know, or yeah, something yeah. like that forget boise should have been thinking about <laughs> <laughs> right you move thailand. someplace like that and your money goes a whole lot further and so yeah maybe but maybe you don't speak the language and so you're not interested in that. I don't know. But like the thing is like we have more options open to us than we think. I think um, that's a real blessing of the pandemic in a way. A silver lining is that we were all made to think a little differently about what options we have at our disposal. And many people realized, wait a second, like I'm not stuck and there are choices I can make. They're going to have consequences, right? And I might not be able to keep my job or I might have to make other trade-offs. But a lot of people realized, and rightly so, that they do have um, the potential to make change in their life, significant change, more than they thought was previously possible. And, And of course, your ability to do this is going to depend on your personal situation, your specific job or industry, and what your goals are. But we've got more specific things we want to talk about how the pandemic has changed personal finances. We're going to talk about, you know, how people have reconsidered the use of debt in their life. And then we're going to also talk about which changes should stick around and and maybe which ones we should jettison. We'll keep talking about this right after the break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. 
Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, man, let's continue to talk about the pandemic. And we were talking more about lifestyle and we were talking about, you know, your job and your career, which obviously have an impact on your personal finances. It does have an impact on your money, where it is that you live and the cost of living there. Obviously, if you're able to reduce the cost of your housing with mm-hmm. the, the rapidly rising prices, that is going to have a dramatic impact on your personal finances. If you moved from San Francisco to Indiana, rural Indiana, Some, somewhere in the heartland. Yeah. And yeah. you were still able to keep your tech job, man. Yeah. You're living you, like a king. You're, and, so, <laughs> you're, and those you're are the kind of it. decisions that some people were able to make and did actually make. Exactly. But let, let's drill down now and talk about some specific ways that maybe had a more direct impact on our personal finances. And one of the things that come to mind is the amount of cash that we kept on hand. With everything in life being up in the air, liquidity and having that cash on hand came back into vogue. uh, Because for the longest time during, it was like a 10 plus year bull market run, it was basically regarded as trash. And while interest rates were they were still paltry early on in the pandemic. Uh, it became quite apparent that having cash on hand gave you the flexibility to make choices in a, a time of great upheaval that we are experiencing. We certainly want you investing money for your future. We want you socking away money into index funds inside of your retirement accounts. Obviously, this is how you grow wealth for the future. But we also don't want you to do this with such vigor that you aren't giving yourself options. Uh, We want you to have some freedom of choice when it comes to the careers that you are considering pursuing or even the ability to consider, you know, something completely different in life. Uh, It's just mentally easier to to be a saver now as rates certainly have crested 4% on savings accounts, uh, something like 5% on CDs, but it has always been important and the pandemic only heightened our awareness of that importance. And I think that's certainly a lesson that's uh, important for us to not forget. Yeah, a lot of people started to think that the stock market was a high interest savings account on steroids. And when your normal high interest savings account was paying half a percent, you were like, why wouldn't I stick money in here? It doesn't go down. It just goes up. But we have experience. We'll talk about this in a second, how the st- that is not the case for the stock market. And so mm-hmm. you have to invest accordingly. But yeah, cash on hand, peace out money, Matt, is what we've called yeah. it. Uh, other people call it something else, but we like the... Um, a f- foo money. Yeah. <laughs> but we like the approach of ca- calling it peace out money. and it's But it's always been important. Like- and mango funk yourself right <laughs> <laughs> we're just you know trying to be good dudes but we did an episode on that a long time ago before covid was even a thing we talked about peace out money and the importance of it and that means having liquid 
cash the ability to use that to fund current needs or goals or potential needs or goals. And it's it's always been a wise thing to pursue, but the pandemic, I think, helped us see that even more clearly. And it's it's not just because that cash gave folks the ability to move to Idaho or Montana or wherever the cool new hit place was to, to be moving to get out of the city, although there were definitely folks trying to leave civilization for more rural vibes. And I think the, the cash they had on hand helped that. But having that margin built up didn't just give folks the option to consider a different career path and focus on self-actualization, but in 2020, millions of folks lost their livelihood. So a lot of people were up a financial creek without a paddle, Mm -hmm. uh, folks who didn't have any peace out money. They they were more worried about how to scrape by, how they were going to pay rent um, as Congress was trying to come up with a plan for how to help. And granted, Congress came up with plans fairly quickly. And of course, it's impossible to eradicate that stress completely, right? Like you can, um, it's... I guess maybe if you have like Bezos level wealth or something like that, like you never but have then to you worry. got different kind of problems. You got different kind of problems. Yeah. And that's true. But having money saved up, it, it sure lessens the blow of an unpredictable situation like COVID was, especially in those early days, those first few months. And let's just not forget this lesson, right? I, I, we would say it is worth sacrificing returns on some of the dollars that you're stocking away by keeping some of it in savings to ensure that you've got liquidity and flexibility. I value flexibility so highly and I don't want to you know, lock away everything which would which would then limit my options because i, I don't know who knows what's going to happen yeah. who, who knows if matt says says something tomorrow that gets us canceled you never know and so you got to be prepared <laughs> like if we say mango funk yourself you know like that that uh, that could get us canceled somebody might misinterpret and yeah i think flexibility liquidity are more valued and i think uh, covid taught us that than previously people gave them credit for yeah so what we're talking about specifically about emergency funds is initially setting aside that 2467 but ultimately what that means is having at least three to six months worth of living expenses set aside personally kate and i i mean we like having six to nine months because like just given the unpredictability of our income we we like having a little bit extra set aside gives us you know that peace of mind and it's not just for what we experienced a few years ago right which was like a widespread Su- uh, amount of suffering that we were all experiencing communally. Um, obviously, that's why the the government intervened because this is something that was impacting everyone. But aside from sort of like a, a macro emergencies, like on a personal level, we're going to all experience different levels of micro emergencies that they're going to crop up. And sure. that's why it is so important for us to have uh, emergency funds set aside. Well, yeah, I mean, even with some predictions of recession in 2023 or 2024, or we're seeing headlines about more and more layoffs. And it's like, well, these are other potential personal catastrophes, right, that we can learn from the reality of COVID, which was a macro catastrophe, that like an individual familial level catastrophe can happen to us almost, you know, at any any given time. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like I'm thinking of just like running into something, like rear-ending somebody because you were on your phone or you weren't paying attention, right? Like yeah. that's something that is happening to you and better make sure you got enough money to set yeah. aside <laughs> to cover that deductible. Or a hospital visit you weren't planning for. Yes, or, yeah, exactly. Or sort of sickness that lingers for a while that prevents you from being able to do the kind of work you want to do. Exactly. I mean, there are yep. all sorts of things that can hit us from a personal level and that liquidity, it matters. Yeah. So early in the pandemic, folks were also paying off their debt in a meaningful way, uh, at least for a little while. These days, it seems we're, we're back to seeing lower savings rates. We're seeing skyrocketing credit card balances. But at least for a brief period of time, we saw the opposite. Honestly, it's, it's almost counterintuitive 
uh, that people would opt to pay off debt balances when the economy is in terrible shape. Why not do that when you're flush with cash, <laughs> as opposed to a point in time when it seemed that the economy was contracting? Sure. Yeah. When the world's falling apart, that's when you start paying off your debt. I mean, it, it, it also makes sense kind of from an emotional standpoint. Sure. Right. Um, like we saw this happen during the Great Recession back in 08. Like folks buckle down when they need to. But we want folks to buckle down before you need to actually uh, take action and, and make changes to your finances. Um, you know, the, the worst kinds of debt, like credit card debt, personal loans, like honestly, anything with an interest rate higher uh, near upper single digits or, or double digits, you should be working to get out of your life. Um, I think many folks have unlearned the lesson and they're unfortunately sinking back into their, their old spending habits. And we don't want that to be you. Yeah. So the pandemic lesson was get rid of debt. It puts me on more solid footing, especially the high interest rate consumer debt. But we're losing that lesson pretty quickly. We're forgetting what we learned. And this is one of those that we want to stick around for how to money listeners that like, hey, no, 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 I want to avoid that in the future. And if I'm still in that debt, I want to prioritize getting rid of it because it is actively working against the future I'm trying to create for myself. So high interest rate debt, we want you to attack it like it's like April, May 2020. You know, it's interesting to note that folks actually chose to pay down their debts, right? Like they didn't have to, but they chose to. But during a time of, of heightened stress, the public chose to offset that stress by reducing the amount of debt that they were carrying you know, month to month. Um, it's, it's almost like a public confession of the inherent stress that accompanies carrying debt. Uh, oftentimes folks... It's almost as if folks like deny that, like, oh, this doesn't really have an impact on me. But the very fact that you pay down your stress while there is a bunch of craziness going on, while like all the stuff was hitting the fan, kind of proves like the data shows otherwise, right? Like yeah. the data shows that, well, in fact, it seems like maybe debt does cause stress in your life. And you're actually kind of admitting that <laughs> by paying that off during the pandemic. People are saying this is one thing I have under my control is e exactly. to lower. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when, when so many things were out of our control and just completely out of our hands and we were at the whim of a virus that we didn't know what the total impact was going to be, this was something that you could actually do that would make a difference in your own life. Yeah, it felt like some like practical, tangible steps that you could take to better your personal situation. Uh, but that being said, like a part of how so many individuals were able to pay down that debt was because we were all forced to spend less money because of the new reality that we're living in. Again, I'm not sure this is a lesson that stuck around, but it is one that we want How to Money listeners to remember and to carry forward. It is 100% possible to reduce your spending. There's a lot of folks out there and they thought, like, I'm never going to be able to cut my entertainment budget in half. It's just part of who I am. I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to go out. <laughs> but spending more money, it does not necessarily equal a greater level of happiness. We have more control over what it is that we spend on a monthly and on an annual basis than we would like to think. Obviously, back then it was easier to do because quite literally you couldn't spend your money to go see a concert or to yeah. go to a restaurant because all of those things were shut down. But the fact is going to the club you, just wasn't happening. You did not have those things in your life. And so that just proves like you won't literally die if you don't go out with your friends. Yeah, <laughs> that is something that you can cut back on and, and save more money if you choose to. Yeah. Yeah. And while we're talking about spending, Matt, I think it, let's touch on inflation here for a second, too, because I think a lot of Americans learned about inflation over the past couple of years. It's not like they hadn't heard the term or they didn't know what it was, but maybe it was one of those things where they hadn't really given much credence to it. And I, just like Cardi B tweeting about the price of eggs and the price of groceries, like that was one of the things where it kind of hit a cultural moment <laughs> where you're like, oh, yeah, even the- We should the have her on the show. <laughs> we, we should. I'll reach out. Uh, but yeah, like even rich and famous folks were kind of talking about rising prices. It was is just kind of something that stole the cultural spotlight. And but the, the thing is, inflation 
has always been a never-present reality. It was just so much more visible over the past couple of years as government policy, like uh, basically caused inflation to soar along with supply chain issues, pushing inflation upward too, got getting really close to the double-digit range there for a little bit. And that also caused us to think more about our buying decisions, caused us to think more about trade-offs, things like buying store brands and just buying less as inflation was going up and wages weren't quite keeping up for most people with the reality of inflation. There, there are some things we can't control, right? That's an important thing to note. COVID was one of those things. Like we couldn't control um, whether or not we got sick. That was, uh, There were some things certainly in our in, at our disposal, but especially in those early days, there wasn't a whole lot we could do. We were just hoping, right, that we that we wouldn't get sick. And and the same is true with, with our personal finances. There are some things we can't control, like how much eggs or used cars cost. But we also have more control over our personal inflation rate than the headlines let on. I think sometimes you see the headlines and it's like, inflation's 9%, and you just assume you just have to sit there and take it. But uh, we can fight back by what we choose to buy, sure. by, by trading down to lower cost options, and just by buying less altogether. Like we have power as consumers, power as individuals. And we, yeah, I think it's important to remember that we can take that back. Yeah, you definitely didn't have to buy a used vehicle over the past two and a half years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you did, you likely or, well, you paid, paid more for you it. You definitely didn't have to buy a new vehicle, right? Sure. And, and as well, new either, vehicles were going up, but let's say your car broke down. As newer vehicles, that they, meant all the used vehicles were going for sky high. Sure, well. sure. But let's say the transmission in your, in your ride busted and you might have had to get a new car, right? Or a, a new to you car, but you definitely didn't have to get a brand new car. Sure. Um, and, but yeah, there are ways that we we can control that rate of inflation in our lives. And we don't have full control, but there's a lot we can do, more than we give ourselves credit for. Totally. Yeah. Inflation, by the way, it's a big part of the necessity to invest your money, right? Like the dollars that you stick under your mattress are going to slowly lose their buying power over time. They're going to slowly erode. And we'll talk more about how COVID changed investing. We'll get to that right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. 
Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, let's keep going, Matt. Let's talk about the, the impacts of COVID on our personal finance lives. And you know the, the impacts were far-reaching in, in so many ways when it came to career, when it came to savings rates, when it came to how we thought about paying off debt, where we lived. I mean, I feel like it's changed so much in just a few years time, the the world looks a lot different than it did just three years ago. And, you know, a lot of that has been, I think we've learned a lot of good lessons in the aftermath of COVID from those early days in particular about um, that, that should stick with us. And let's talk about investing as well, because COVID had a massive impact on how, where, and why people invest. Most of it uh, wasn't good by the way, because yeah, cash infusions uh, provided by like stimulus checks and the inability to spend that money like we normally would going out with our friends, going out to the bar, whatever it is that maybe was normally in our line item spending. We were like, yeah, maybe I'll like sock it in Robin hood and mm-hmm. see what happens. Yeah. There's and, a lot of people that got into investing in 2020. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But it didn't work out for a lot of those people no. very well. So this is, I think a lesson that we can learn where we can say like, like a record scratch stop and ooh, uh-huh. let's not do that let's not keep going in that direction the cryptocurrencies and meme stocks they were hot for folks who are looking for a quick return on their money on their investments there was a tremendous amount of speculation going on but that sugar rush it didn't last forever nor did the upward trajectory of you know many of the tech darlings out there that that were hot during the pandemic we're talking about carvana we're talking about Teladoc, right? There were a lot of companies that were, were Peloton that were just crushing it during the pandemic, and they fell harder than they soared. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, if you were if you were thinking teleconferencing is the future, and you went all in on Zoom stock, you would have seen a gain of over five hundred percent in twenty twenty. You thought you were the the king of the world. If you sold then, you're a lucky dog, and you had better foresight than most. Because <laughs> you know, uh, if you didn't time it perfectly, you got to see Zoom tank. And now it's back at the same levels as it was at the beginning of 2020, before the pandemic began. These are the kind of mistakes that people were making as, as investors. They were, they were hoping to get it on the upswing. 
They certainly didn't get out on the ground floor, but they also probably sold too late too, and they lost money in the in the process. Sure, yeah, and, and most of the folks who had a newfound enthusiasm for quote unquote investing, uh, those are the exact same folks who are now sitting on the sidelines after getting burned. Uh, the Journal actually had an article uh, a couple weeks ago that they called the retreat of the amateur investors, and many of those folks have lost all the money that they put in. They were you know had 1.2 million, and now they're earning like 19 dollars an hour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, working off of tips. Others have taken just a more cautious approach to investing, you know, so cautious that they want basically like zero exposure to the market. Uh, and so it's good that there's certainly less day trading activity going on, but not investing at all is the wrong lesson to learn. The right lesson, of course, is to just zoom out and to see what the market has done over larger swaths of time. Like we're talking about, look, like look at the past 10, 20, 30 years, because uh, if you take that perspective, that approach, you're going to crush over the decades with that consistent approach to your investing. Yeah. And a lot of it too was envy and greed that was driving a lot of the investing decisions. It was, hey, that's going up. I want in on the fun. But for most folks, by the time you realize, it, by the time it's hitting the headlines, it's too late. You're on the tail end. And uh, a lot of people, yeah, they lost a lot of money and they learned the wrong lesson. But yeah, I think something else, Matt, we learned from these COVID years has been just that it's important to be prepared, right? And that, that was the original Boy Scout motto. Were you, were you a Boy Scout? I never was, okay. although... You would have made a good one. I feel like I would have enjoyed it. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think it's it, that motto of be prepared is a good one for us all to implement in our financial lives. You know, we, you and I were not smart enough to know whether or not another pandemic is going to come along. I sure, I sure hope not. Hopefully you don't have another one for a good long time, but the truth is we can't predict these things. And, and I think it's important though, no matter what, to be prepared for the next pandemic, right? And so there are people that are working on that as we speak. I don't know how well they're doing at it, but uh, I think the same is true for us. We can be prepared for potential disasters, even if we're not quite sure what we're preparing for. Is the, we talked about the recession, potential for a recession coming along this year. Is it going to come to pass? Who knows? But but like we said, a personal catastrophe can come along at any time, a, a job loss or a health issue or a family setback. And it's important to be working towards getting your financial life in order before a catastrophe hits. So be prepared, folks. That is, uh, I think, a good lesson that we can learn from the past three years. Sure. Yeah. I think another lesson that kind of came to the forefront is the fact that we that none of us are going to live forever. And of course, we all know this intuitively, but I think this is something that we rarely think about. You know, like I, the, the pandemic, it caused all of us, at least for a little while, to think about the brevity of life and how that impacts our, our money, how that impacts our financial decisions. Um, makes me think about our conversation that we had with Abby Davison. That was episode 607. But we need to think about bigger life decisions just in a holistic way. And, um, you know, we're preaching to the choir here. We're you know, we do this for ourselves, the show, <laughs> as much as we do it for other folks out there, because sometimes as money nerds, like we can overweight the, the financial, the money angle when uh, we're trying to make a major life change. And it's not that money that is not an important consideration, obviously. Like don't quit your job, even one that you don't like. If you don't have any money in the bank, that would just be foolish. But don't let the money be the tail that wags the dog either, you know? We aren't going to live forever. So make sure that you have the right perspective and let money be the tool that it's supposed to be that helps to then fuel the life that you want to live. I think as we we're going through the pandemic and we are all faced with like we were more acutely faced with the prospect of death. I think a lot of folks ask the question, like, why should I have my head down and, and toil and work endlessly for 
something and and sort of delaying and sacrificing for something for a time that may never come. Mm. Uh, and so I think it's important to keep kind of all of the important things in mind as we are simultaneously trying to be responsible and financially savvy as well. Yeah. I, I, but that's why we always try to strike a balance here because you're right. We're not promised tomorrow, but the truth is we could also live another 50 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you have to plan for that. If only we knew. Right. If you knew the end date, if you knew the expiration date, well, first that'd be a little daunting. Would you? No, I wouldn't want to know. Also, no. I, I feel like we've talked about this before. Would you want to know the, the date? No, I don't. Were to die? I mean, I get the impetus for that, but no, I think that's what like, makes life a little exciting is that you don't know. I, I guess so, but I think simultaneously. You could plan better. You could plan better, and you could, you, you really could perfectly, quote unquote, what perfe- you found perfectly out of- orchestrate your life in, in such a way. Because so, if you knew exactly when you are going to die. What if you found out it was going to be three days from now? You'd spend like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you'd do all the important things. But yeah. if, if you knew it was going to be 30 years from now or 30 plus three, uh, whatever, however long, you could plan it and orchestrate it in such a way that you spend every single dollar oh. optimally. I don't think I can handle that information, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my, my brain, my psyche can handle it. Uh, pre- like on paper, as I think about it, I think it makes a ton of sense. But the emotional side of it, obviously, would be tough to would be incredibly difficult. Yeah. Or, well, so, you know, you're talking about that, the fact that we're not going to live forever. And Matt, I just got done reading a book called A Heart That Works, and it was by comedian Rob Delaney. And by the way, highly recommend it. Really well yeah. written, but also just like devastatingly sad. It was a gut punch because it's about Rob losing his son at the age of two years old to cancer. And Spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean- <laughs> You it, find that out, I'm sure, early on. Pretty on, yeah. Okay. So, um, it, it, I, I, but I was like sitting there reading the book yeah, at night in bed, tough, dude. and I'm like kind of like, simultaneously laughing and crying because it's so funny at the same time but it's also just so such a so freaking sad and Emily's that's the kind of b- balance that we try to strike here on how to like <laughs> right we want you laughing but also weeping right. at the same time <laughs> well this book will do that to you but it also just I mean it made me realize it made me hug my kids a little bit tighter after reading that book and just kind of think differently about my own life these are the kind of reminders that we need on an ongoing basis because as humans we forget we're not like elephants who never forget right like we tend to forget things and we need rem- constant reminders of what's true and what we should be pursuing. I know that's true for myself because I can even like think about all these things that have changed because of COVID and I can say, yeah, I learned that lesson, but has that lesson stuck? No, I like sometimes it does, but sometimes I need that. I need a reminder and I need a fresh perspective from somebody else to say, hey, (laughs) like, no, really cherish your family because you're not promised that you're going to have them tomorrow. And his book in particular, just like did that for me in a visceral, meaningful way. Um, And even still, I'm going to need a reminder, uh, you know, um, tomorrow or next month about like what's true as well, because we're, I think just as humans, we are, we forget such a huge portion of the things that we learn over time. And yeah, yeah, we just, we need other people to help us out. We've got leaky minds. Yeah. And and not only, I think it's not only just forgetting some things, it's just the practice. It's just practice. It's actually doing the things, right? Because for instance, for folks who listen to the show, I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there who probably do a pretty dang good job working really hard and say having a really high savings rate. Yeah. And when you are remind yourself that you're not going to live forever, what you need to do is over time, like you're trying to transition from working crazy. I mean, whatever. We all take different approaches to, I guess, to to earning money and and working hard. Uh, I, for instance, always see myself working really hard in some capacity, whether Mm -hmm. or not I'm getting paid for it or not. But I guess what I'm talking about mainly here is spending money, because I think early on it can be really easy to be like, oh, no, I have to deny the flesh. I, I'm going to not spend money on the things that I would really love to spend money on. And 
you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. That's why I'm like having an expiration date. Like (laughs) if you knew when you're going to die, you could almost formulate a plan. But without, obviously, none of us know that we have to kind of gradually start shifting our resources in certain ways that we think are going to bring us the most happiness. It really does take take some practice and not only with our money, but also our time. This kind of goes back to at the beginning of the episode when we're talking about like what it is that we want our lives to look like, because in the same way, we spend a lot of our early professional years working really hard. And over time, it's important to start putting into practice what it looks like to live your life pursuing other hobbies, things that don't generate income where you're not, you know, working late hours, like late into the night. So so it's not just forgetting that these things are true, but it also takes just actively practicing those things. I think, I, th- I think for me, like that's honestly the hardest thing because I know these things like from a, you know, from a academic standpoint, but what does it look like from a practical standpoint? Yeah. That's, that's the, the tough part for me. Well, it's also figuring out what your craft beer equivalent is and then spending money purposely on that stuff because yep. even while you're, especially maybe in some of those early grinding years, trying to get out of debt and, and trying to start investing for the future before kind of compounding is doing a lot of the work on your behalf because it takes a decade plus to get to that point. Um, you ha- We still want you simultaneously pursuing the things that you care about, even though you're not able to maybe pursue them quite to the extent that you want to. And that's yeah. a goal for future, right? Totally. But I think uh, maybe like more something more practical on, on the reality of we're not going to live forever as well is it, it should shine a spotlight on our need to have like an estate plan to create a will and to get life insurance. A lot of people people put off some of those adulting sort of moves. And and that is kind of some of the boring stuff in personal finance that nobody wants to talk about. But make sure the beneficiary on your accounts are correct. That should take very little time, but you don't want your retirement dollars going to like an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend that you haven't spoken to in years just because you forgot to log in and make that switch. And and you know, nobody really wants to do this boring crap, but it's a necessary part of protecting the assets that you have managed to accrue over the years and your loved ones as well. Like you want to make sure they're taken care of should something awful happen. And COVID, of course, helped us realize, hey, awful things can happen uh, and and we can't predict them. And so it, it, these things don't take as long as you think either. But I think, yeah, we should be reminded, we should be reminding ourselves of the reality uh, that we're not going to live forever. But then that should also come out in practical ways uh, for us to take care of the assets we have been so diligent to save and invest up. Yeah. And ultimately the pandemic, it changed a lot of things for a lot of folks. And while the world has, it's largely gotten back to normal, uh, the impact of COVID, it continues to reverberate in many of our lives. Um, the, the fundamentals of money and personal finances haven't necessarily changed because of the pandemic, but what people want out of their lives, I think that has changed in, in many ways, though. I think some of the, uh, like the underlying presumptions and the goals that we might have, those things have changed. And mm-hmm. I think it's caused us to view how it is, how the, the ways that we go about handling our money. It puts it in a new light. Yeah, you might have thought, oh, you know what? I want the corner office, but now I want the third bedroom to be my office so that mm-hmm. I don't have to go in anymore. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it just everybody has had some sort of shifting goals over the past few years. And a lot of those shifts were brought on because by COVID. Yeah, essentially, the pandemic was a gift. And like you said, it was a terrible thing, but it gave a lot of folks a peek into what life could look like as we were all facing a very uncertain future. And it hopefully allowed us to make some course corrections. And those are the lessons that we don't want to forget. Yeah. But uh, all right, man, let's get back to the beer that you and I enjoyed during this episode. This was a mango funk yourself or funk yourself. (laughs) Uh, This is a beer by Meddlesome. 
It's a good name for a brewery that names their beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's by the way. What were your thoughts on this psychedelic sour beer? All right. So, you know, I'm not a huge fan of just eating fresh mango. I think the texture is weird to me. Yeah. I, dried mango, different story. Oh, um, man. Dried the, mango? Dried is, mango from Costco is delicious. From Costco or Aldi. It's, it's better from Costco. so good. It's better from Costco, let's be honest. <laughs> but uh, I dig mango in a beer. Uh, and so I thought this was really good. It's it's kind of light, a little fruity with the mango, tiny bit funky. I was hoping with the funk being in the name, it'd be a little funkier. But um, overall, I would say, uh, yeah, solid mango beer. Pretty dang tart and sour. I was hoping there'd be a, a bit more sweetness going on yeah. because I like that the acidity that you get with the sour, but I like it followed up with some of that sweetness, uh, like you would expect from, uh, like if you had some mango in a smoothie or something like uh -huh. that, right? Like, like when you have a smoothie, you're not just being confronted and assaulted with the sour notes. No, that's not how smoothies work. <laughs> and I kind of wish, uh, that this beer had a little more sweetness going on, but yeah. I still liked it. It was a really solid beer. And this is by a brewery who, uh, that I don't think we've ever had before. First time. I think, what are they out of Memphis? I think. Metal, metal, Metalsome, uh, Cordova, Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, so that's uh, kind of right outside of Memphis. So this was another one that my my brother-in-law brother tossed my way. Yeah, nice. So thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben and Rachel. Rachel. Yes, yeah. right. My yeah. sister-in-law. Yeah. So you, you know her better than I do. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this episode. for uh, For show notes, you can find those up on our website at howtomoney.com. That's right. And if you have not left us a review, we would love it if you were to go over there, and leave us a solid one. And we say this all the time, but it is so true. And those reviews help others to find our podcast. And so if you have gotten value out of this episode or any of the other countless episodes that you may have listened to, we would be incredibly appreciative of that. But Joel, that's going to be it, buddy, for this one. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's Upswell marketing.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.